Welcome to the Dharma Spring. Good evening. <laughs> and um, my welcome as well to you all. Uh, I enjoyed that moment, you know. We come and settle here after gathering all throughout the day and sit and maybe we're starting to you know, settle in and get serious, realize what we've got ourselves into, whatever. Settling in, and then comes crashing through the gate, youthful voices and stomping, and it's like, yeah, that's a blessing. Lest we should take ourselves too seriously, yeah? <laughs> so, thank you for that blessing. <laughs> um, and thank you all for the blessing of being here and making this retreat here. <laughs> it doesn't happen with out bodies and heart minds and uh, each and every one of you. There was a time not too long ago we weren't sure if the retreat was going to happen and uh, went back and forth and it's like yes it's going to happen and then a lot <coughs> of effort came together many hearts and hands putting things together coordinating contacting details and um, here we are. So my gratitude for that as well. For being willing to hold that uncertainty and then once it seemed clear, once it was clear, we're doing this, to embrace it fully and carry it through to now is uh, deeply appreciated. So thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> So part of that process of coming to a retreat, there's that question that comes to the teacher: Is there what are you gonna? What's the theme? What's gonna happen? And I was like, I don't know. Just call it late summer meditation retreat and roll along. And I'll see. You. I don't know. Um, then this lovely flyer that was put together. Thanks again. Uh, a visual artiste, but also other people putting words and everything on here, getting the details. I offered my words, but also a quote that. Um, we'll be hanging out with throughout the retreat. So you've already been hanging out with it. You didn't necessarily know you already met it. But it's the one that says, the greatest way is not difficult if you don't pick and choose. Yeah? So if you saw this, you've already been in retreat, this retreat, because you met those words. And they've been with you in some way. Now you get to discover what ways. Yeah? Um. <clears throat> so looking at this retreat, it begins with a choice. You chose to be here. <laughs> so here, not picking and choosing, yet you had to choose. I don't know that you had a lot of picking to do. I don't know how many retreats were happening right at this time. But there was a choice. Each of you made a choice to be here. Um. And that's important. And each of you have your own reason for why you made that choice. Maybe you've done retreats before and you know what happens and you can't wait to encounter that again and, and touch into it. Maybe it's your first retreat like this and you've heard others talk about it and you want to see, well, can I reach that too? Can I have that meet me? Or um, maybe you're just, hey, retreat, I'm going. That's a choice, yeah? So having made that choice, you come here and find a lot of other choices have been made for you. 
when you wake up, when you eat, when you have tea, how long your shower is, uh, how to use a toilet differently than you may be used to um, in this environmental center. And that's the nature of retreat. It's the generosity of retreat, of taking away your need to wonder and decide and weigh out options of what should I do here and say, here's what you're doing. So you can not have to attend to those things. You can let your mind be unoccupied by them, especially, as Doug had mentioned, with the time. Let it go completely. The, the bells will call you. They'll guide you along. You don't have to worry and wonder. You don't have to be the one in charge of making those decisions. Another choice that has been made is that you will be silent. That's what the retreat wants, and that's what we do. So you're free from the picking and choosing. What do I say, and how do I greet this person, you know, the, the, the politenesses, the eye contacts, the daily greetings? Don't need to do those. Don't have to wonder, should I? Do I seem rude if I don't? It's like, no, don't do it. That choice has been made, so set those worries down as well. So all those smaller kind of choices, again, have been made for you to free you to be free and to come to know that greatest way, yeah? <clears throat> hmm. So what about that? You know, what's this greatest way business? Um, and coming to know it, you know, what about that? When I look at picking and choosing, to me I see that it's based on knowing. When I make a choice, when I pick this certain thing, it's because either I know by doing that I'm going to get to where I want to get to, I'm going to receive what I'm looking for, or I might just be saying, in this moment, I know what's best for me. It's based on knowing my choices, my picking and choosing, yeah? Hmm. What if you let go of knowing where you're going? Or even what's good for you now? Any idea that you're going to get anything out of this retreat that you think? <laughs> or any idea that being in retreat is good. Just be here, not knowing where it's going to go. Hmm. I was thinking back, or a memory from one of an, an early, well, a few early retreats that I was on, you know, came up a few days ago, that showed me this, this at play in my practice, and um, has to do in that realm of knowing what to do here and now, that kind of knowing. And the choices I was making as far as my meditation and being in retreat. What I noticed was, for a few retreats, I'd be sitting, and there's this one person who just really annoyed me. The way he did things, it just wasn't quite, it's like, that's not the spirit of retreat. And, you know, I just noticed, it wasn't all the retreat, but regularly, he caught my attention, the corner of my eye, but he, he drew my attention in because he wasn't doing it right. And how can he be practicing, you know, whatever the stories I had, yeah? 
again and again, like two or three retreats has happened, the same person. And it's like, ah, this guy just doesn't get it. So then came the next retreat. And there's my mind. This guy doesn't get it. Ah, ah. But it was a different person this time. That was good. That showed me it had nothing to do with that person. It was, I had made a decision based on knowing of what was right. And because of me choosing this was right, that out there looked like it was wrong. And until it switched to the other person, I didn't know, oh, that was me. (laughs) So, if in your meditation you find an annoyance coming up towards somebody else or even towards yourself, you might consider what's the knowing here that I'm holding on to that's creating this situation? Am I knowing something that this is then rubbing up against creating friction? And if you can identify that thing that you're knowing and then drop it, huh, what might happen then? So notice that, yeah? Hmm. I was visited by another memory from another early retreat, just just a, a one-time instance, and this had to do with um, it's kind of the contradiction of here's a schedule on the wall, here's the times, and then forget about the time, don't worry about it, just let the bells call you, this and that, right? What's up with that? <laughs> um, I really enjoy dropping time and encourage you to do it as deeply as you can. And really let the, um, the retreat carry you along. So what had happened, you know, I was in my pattern, you know, take a, during the break, take a little rest, wait for the bell to call me, and I kind of had this internal clock that goes pretty regularly, even the space of retreat it was going. So I t- drifted off to a little nap and then just woke up and said, I didn't hear the bell. What time is it? And then there was a clock there in the room, and it was already past meditation time. And I missed the bells, and I wondered what happened. So I went down. Everybody was sitting in the hall. I sat down. I was like, how did I miss that? Oh, I didn't think I was sleeping. You know, all those stories. I found out later, the timekeeper decided not to ring the temple bell because everybody was just looking at the clock and showing up at the time, it said, and not waiting to be called by the bell. So I didn't like that, (laughs) Um, but I understood, and you know, see it happen. We have our leader meetings. We look out the window, and there's people starting to gather and conglomerate because they know it's getting close. It's getting close because you're following time. But truly, you can choose to let go of that choice (laughs) of following time, and let the bells guide you and call you, and fall deeply into it. Because it's really, you know, when you, when you give up your picking and choosing, it's about your relinquishing control. Not in the battle sense, but in the, ah, uh, you don't have to. For a few days, you don't have to control things. You don't have to hold things. You don't have to manage them and keep them together. That's being done for you. So relinquish that control and surrender. Surrender like falling back onto the water in a river. 
following the current and flow, knowing you need to flap a little here, flap a little there to keep going with it, but it will carry you along if you surrender in that way. So surrender yourself to the flow of this retreat. Lean back, let it carry you. Yeah. Not knowing, relinquishing control, surrender. Those seem to be the antidotes, the anti-picking and choosing. Yeah. Or gateways to opening to that space. So take advantage of that. It's a rare opportunity that we have to do such in this world. So how does that let us, or how does that bring forth, how do, we, how do we connect with the greatest way by not picking and choosing in those ways? Hmm. So I was thinking, well, if this is the greatest way, there must be lesser ways. So I was flipping the, um, the phrase around. The lesser ways are difficult if you don't pick and choose. <laughs> or the lesser ways are not difficult if you pick and choose. The lesser ways require you to pick and choose. That's considering there's this dial on from lesser to greatest as far as the ways go. Sometimes it's very simple and clear the choice you need to make and if you don't make it you invite chaos. Yeah? So you must pick and choose. So this phrase isn't saying, just give it up all the time. Recognize there are lesser ways, meaning smaller territories, more direct connections that require picking and choosing. Injustice. When it's clear there's an injustice, the choice of I need to do something is clear. What you actually need to do, that gets a little complicated. But it's not time for contemplating and not picking and choosing when there's injustice and people in need, yeah? What to have for dinner when you're working it out with your partner? Yeah, that invites some collaboration, some picking and choosing. It's not as heavy and, um, you know, the, the gauge is adjusted a little bit more there, so you don't need to pick and choose with such directness, but if you never decide, you know how frustrating that is, right? What do you want to eat? Oh, I don't care. Well, how about this? No. No. So at some point, pick and choose. (laughs) So you can see this gauge getting to from those smaller, where it's clear what needs to be done, then it gets to where things are cloudier and it's not really clear and you don't know what to do. So the picking and choosing becomes a little more superfluous. It becomes more of a relationship and a dance, letting yourself be called into the choice rather than having to make it yourself, you know, in those varying degrees. So there are lesser ways and there are great ways that the degree of difficulty adjusts with how much you pick or choose or not. But then we have this greatest way that it says clearly, the greatest way is not difficult if you don't pick and choose. So there's no choice there, don't pick and choose, to know the greatest way. So what is that greatest way, yeah? What came to mind for me was the opening lines of the Tao Te Ching. The Tao that can be named, the way that can be named, is not the eternal name, not the way, not the eternal Tao, the immortal Tao. So anything that we can grab, 
grasp and get a hold of and say, aha, I've got it, isn't it? Isn't that greatest way, yeah? And that's what this is speaking of. That way, that greatest way, that is beyond our grasp. We can't get a hold of it. And that's the business of what we're up to here at this retreat. Is to know that greatest way, to be with that greatest way. And looking at why is it ungraspable. On one hand, it's because it's so vast and wide and all-encompassing. You can't, you can't get a hold. There's no way. And again, anything you grab out of it and say, "Ah, I figured it out," lessens it, and is not it. Kills it. That picking and choosing, yeah. So on one hand, you can't grasp it because you you can't get a hold of that vastness. On the other hand, you can't grasp it because you are it. You are that greatest way. How can you get a hold of yourself? It's closer than you think. You're reaching too far if you're trying to get to the greatest way. It's that phrase of using mind to find mind. Right here each and every one of us, the greatest way. Not difficult if you don't pick and choose. So check it out in the days to come. Play with your picking and choosing mentally, when you go to the snack table, you know. Does it make a difference if you grab the pear or the apple? You know? Do you get stuck because you can't make a decision? You know, just pay attention really to all of that. And notice what it's like when the picking and choosing is gone and you surrender and relinquish the control, giving up any knowing of what's best for this moment or where it's going to lead. And just flow. Yeah the greatest way. Not difficult at all. (laughs) Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.